Welcome back to Coming In Without Context. Uh, this is episode 14, I think. Assuming we had an episode 13. We are joined by my friend Lauren from high school. <laughs> Lauren, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Um, I will be leading discussion uh, with Lauren and then Hope will come back later without context. Goodbye. Bye, guys. (laughs) Okay, Lauren. So uh, my discussion for today will be on if the internet should be anonymous. Lauren, how do you feel about your privacy on the internet? I personally feel like I have no privacy. You're actually asking the best person about this because I hate social media I hate it um and I try not to use it that much because I absolutely hate it and I don't post a lot because I don't want people knowing what I'm doing and I know that sounds really like sneaky like I'm trying to hide something but I just I don't like it and I want to keep my life more on the private side so would you prefer um like compared to how social media and the internet is right now would you prefer for it to be even more private than already is or like I say that in quotation. Yes, I would. Like a lot of times I don't even have it on my phone because <laughs> I don't like use it. And I'd rather just live my life and not worry about what other people are doing and not have anyone else know what I'm doing. Um, so I usually don't have it even downloaded. So I guess the answer to that question is yes. But then I guess, would you feel like you would do better if the internet didn't exist or not it didn't exist but like if you could be teleported back a few decades to when it wasn't a thing you think you would thrive more there or be more comfortable at least yes I think so because (laughs) I think like I have a tendency to like be interested in things that are not related to social media so like For example, this summer, I spent a lot of my free time just like, this is going to sound so lame, but I just like go read in a park or like on the green (laughs) on my campus. Yeah. Um, And I would do that for hours every single day. But I think it's also hard because everyone in our generation relies so heavily on social media. Right. So when I don't have it, I feel like I am missing out on things. Like people will say, oh, did you see so-and-so's post? Did you hear about this? And if I didn't see it because I didn't have like Instagram on my phone then I am missing out on that um like connection so it Mm -hmm. might might have been easier for me if I lived in a time period where nobody had social media so that I wasn't like being I guess left out of things like that yeah it's a pretty uh vicious cycle where if everyone else is dialed into it right and you're you're not, then you're the odd one out, even if, you know, you're living a healthier life than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm bringing up this topic because I was inspired uh, to lead this discussion based on a somewhat recent occurrence or a, a news. And it's actually from the UK. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but 11 people were arrested 
in in regards to racist comments and posts they made on social media towards the black members of the UK's football team or soccer for for Americans uh, Mm -hmm. when they lost in, I think it was the Euros. I'm not a, not a football guy, international football guy, but this is, I think this brings up an interesting question because in the U S we always think about these rules, like the, our protected freedoms under the first amendment, where we're basically allowed to say almost anything we want to without fear of being prosecuted. Right. And I think this is a question of privacy because these people posted under their, under like their accounts, right? And the accounts don't necessarily, as you know, they don't necessarily have to have your real name or accurate information. You could make a completely fake account, um, a fake bio, and then post whatever you want on with uh, full anonymity on the internet, right? So I guess, how do you feel about this? Uh, the fact that the government <laughs> looked into these people's accounts and found out who they actually were in order to arrest and charge them. Wow. I think that really does open up a whole new level to our justice system because I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's it's almost like an invasion of privacy, but but then again, it's not because these people are making the choice to put these things out publicly online. And so it's ultimately their decision. Um, But yeah, it's just scary now that like the government can go into our phones and our accounts and see some of the most personal information about us. Right. That's so freaky. I mean, that was the whole thing with um, the NSA in the U.S., right? And um, Edward Snowden uh, Mm -hmm. pointed to everyone that the government had all of this information and was actively spying on our phones, right? Uh, Yeah. Every single citizen's phone was accessed by the government. But I guess to to focus more on this case um, and give you some more information. So those arrested were in the range, the age range of 18 all the way to 63. So it's it's a pretty big range. Like it's not just one demographic. Um, Mm -hmm. There were actually more people who were who they're looking for more than 11 um only 11 have been arrested um but my article might be out of date i'm i sourced this from an ap news article um and i, I want to read a quote to you from the chief constable who like who kind of spoke on this case um he said there are people out there who believe they can hide behind a social media profile and get away with posting such abhorrent comments they need to think again. So I guess you, you, you commented that this feels like an invasion of privacy, but how do you feel about people who are acting as if this is a fully protective mask, as if they can do whatever they want, they can say whatever they want on the internet? Do you feel like that is acceptable? Like that's that's how much privacy they deserve, like they should get on the internet? Or do you feel like they should be held responsible for their actions and what they do? I think they definitely should be held responsible because they shouldn't really be 
creating these fake profiles just to say things that they know they're going to get in trouble for. There's a reason why they're making the fake profile. If the things that they were saying weren't going to be like harmful or if they were okay to say, then they would just post it on their normal account. But there is a reason that they're creating those fake profiles so that they can hide behind it. Right. So I think that it is okay that they're getting in trouble for these things and they're just being ignorant, thinking that they're so protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think um, I, I might be, I might be different from you in that. I think that I, I think it, it would be better if the internet was less private in a way um, not in the sense that like all of your personal information would be revealed, but if the internet overall, like going into it, you knew it was public and you had to put your face and your name behind what you said and did on the internet, I think a lot more people would behave more acceptably um, and certainly mm-hmm. not post like these things. Cause you know, there's the the common saying of don't say anything you wouldn't say to someone in person. That's, that's what I yeah. subscribe to. Um, yeah. And that, that, that really probably gets you out of most of these cases and, and conflicts that happen on the internet these days. But mm-hmm. what, so what I found so interesting about this is that this case kind of seems to be a middle ground in our modern global globalized context. Um, so the reason they were able to be charged is because the UK has hate speech statutes, um, which if you if you make these types of comments, you can be charged, you can be fined. Um, you, you might even get prison time. I think I, I saw it was like, you can get up to seven years of prison time just for hate speech, depending on how, what happens, right? But that's on, on the... On the other side of things, in the U.S., we do not have any hate speech laws. Our Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that any laws criminalizing hate speech would violate the First Amendment of the Constitution, which we take a lot of pride in, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, how do you feel about free speech? Do you think there are limits to it? Do you think it should be unlimited? Um, we'll, so we'll start with that. Um. Well, I like that we have free speech because it allows people to fight for what they truly believe in and express their opinions. But I do think there is a group of people who abuse our right to free speech and use it in a way to harm others um, or just, you know, in a harmful way in general. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of conflicting. Right. And I think this is probably very apt for for our generation, for our time period, because there is a huge issue with misinformation, with polarization. Um, Mm -hmm. In a way, these are all enabled by the fact that anyone can say anything. I mean, there are certain restrictions to the First Amendment. And they include uh, obscenity, fraud, child pornography, speech integral to illegal conduct, speech that incites imminent lawless action, speech that violates intellectual property law, true threats, and commercial speech such as advertising. 
So we have these restrictions. So like you can't you can't shout fire when there is no fire in like a crowded place because that would cause panic that could potentially injure people, right? So that's not protected under free speech. Do you feel like that goes far enough to cover what people can do? Like I know you mentioned that some people abuse the right to free speech, but do you feel that there could be more in place or do you think it's kind of like almost a lost cause in a way? I feel like if there were more restrictions, it might get in the way of people's free speech. So I think there's such a fine line Mm -hmm. between what can be allowed and what has to be restricted. Because if we start putting all these restrictions in place, then it's like, oh, well, why do we even have free speech in the first place? Because we have to step around all these things and have to be careful of what we're saying. Right. But I guess what I'm thinking now is that like the First Amendment was created 200 years ago, right? In a time Mm -hmm. when the only long distance communication was by letter and, and and it had to go over a ship if you wanted to send it abroad, right? And that would be like weeks or months and it could be lost. But I guess it does, does it hold up to our modern technology? Like do the laws really, really cover the internet and what we have today and social media? Like, I feel like I'm wondering if, if we would still have our dedication to the first amendment, if the constitution were created today compared to 200 years ago. Like, what do you think? Do you think there's like a different culture around it now? Or do you think we still, we still kind of really believe in that right? I, yeah, I think that's a good point because with social media, like we started this conversation off, like there's so much that people can say now and it's going to reach such a large audience in such a quick time. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, somebody with a large following posts something millions of people from all over the world can see it in a matter of seconds yeah yeah and they can theoretically say whatever they want and a lot of times that can be harmful it can be propaganda it can be a number of things um so yeah maybe that is something that needs to be like looked at again that's a that's a great point. And actually, um, <laughs> I had that written down in my notes, too, that with social media, with globalization, with the Internet, you could potentially say something that has far more devastating consequences online now than you could possibly achieve, like in person. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it, you're right, if someone with a significant following uh, posts anything, even if it's not overt. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking about <laughs> the the previous president and uh, some of his yeah. comments. But like you can you can incite so much violence and damage just from a few words 
on on a social media platform where there's there's it would require literal thousands of people to attend a speech in person to achieve the same thing um, before the internet, perhaps. Um, yeah. Not, that's not like common, but it just, the potential is there, right? Yeah. And also the other thing with the internet is if someone tweets something or posts something, the way that it's interpreted by people can be so different because you're not actually hearing the person say it so if you were to go to an in-person speech you can actually hear the tone of their voice and the way that they want it to be understood whether it's sarcastic or a joke or they meant it seriously you don't really get that over the internet Mm -hmm. and it's so much harder and it's a lot easier to be misunderstood yeah definitely but I'm also wondering if the, the free speech, uh, being able to say whatever you want on the internet, I'm wondering if it's the re- like why we're seeing a new wave of cancel culture in our generation, right? Mm-hmm. Th- this seems to be somewhat of a, of a more recent trend in that when someone with a big following, whether it's celebrities or politicians or just even even average the average person, um, when they say something that sparks or incites disagreement, like massive disagreement, then there seems to be almost like a mob of people that surge out to to get rid of them and and try and cancel them and try and um, close off all of their opportunities to try and ruin their life um, in some cases. And it gets pretty extreme. Do you think they're related? Do you think free speech and cancel culture go hand in hand like one couldn't exist without the other or um or do you think they're more independent i think they're definitely related and now that you bring it up i absolutely hate cancel culture i think it's so unnecessary and it is something that's very recent and it's it's just so harsh and i don't think people deserve that and i think what makes it so easy is that like we were saying earlier People can all hide behind their computer screen or their phone screen and just go after this individual. And if we didn't really have the internet, I don't think these people would be canceled in as large of a group as they are now. Like it's so easy for people to just gang up on one person because they don't actually have to go anywhere in person. They can just go on their phone and add to the millions of comments. Right. Um, and even people like as young as 12 years old are adding to this cancel culture because they have access to the internet and social media. Mm-hmm. So I do think they're very related and go hand in hand. Hope, what do you think? I, I there's this idea, I don't know if you guys discussed this, of like call in culture rather than cancel culture, where like if someone does something wrong, you like try and have a conversation with them instead to like educate them about why what they did was wrong rather than like fully like just canceling them um which I think is a good idea but then that kind of puts the pressure on like maybe people who have been wrong to like do all the education of people who did something wrong um but if they want to do that then that's probably like the most beneficial outcome because like you're trying to get someone to understand why they hurt other people and like grow from it. 
Um, and so I know that's like an idea that's really been emerging is to like kind of call people in for discussions rather than just like outright cancel them. But I think it's tough to really have those conversations online because I'm thinking about like how it's all connected to the polarization that we've seen um, politically and ideologically, um, specifically in the U.S., I guess. But like on the Internet, when you make a comment, um, if you have a significant following, you're going to have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of comments, uh, of reactions. And even if a portion of those people are not are saying are just trying to call you in are trying to talk with you and and like discuss have a have a uh have a reasonable discussion with you i think there's definitely going to be a group out there that's also just trying to cancel you that's trying to tear you down and i think you know that's perhaps one of the the recent things we've seen on social media where there are people out there who are just trolls who are just trying to cause as much damage as they can. And that's led to suicides. That's led to mass shootings. And, you know, it's obviously not, you can't, you can't ever connect the dots directly to say, this is the direct result of this. Right. But certainly there, there's some connection there. So I guess, I guess my next question would be, do you think that we, the U S I guess, specifically, do you think the U.S. should have stricter laws on what people can say on the Internet? And I guess more specifically than that, do you think spreading misinformation should be illegal? Well, I think a lot of what you're talking about was more broadly like bullying, more so than cancel culture, because I couldn't think of an, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of an instance where like cancel culture has led to like a mass shooting. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of times with cancel culture, it's just trying to get them like fired or like if they did something wrong, try and like get them reprimanded for that. But I like, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I do, it's hard to limit speech online. Obviously a lot of platforms do it and you'll see like tweets deleted or like posts taken down my Instagram, but that mostly falls on like companies to determine what sort of speech gets taken down like I know that there's laws in Germany like nothing related to like Nazi Germany or like can ever fly like you can't have a swastika nothing but like in the U.S. that sort of thing's allowed to flourish and that's like the differences in the freedom of speech laws whereas hate speech is more protected in the U.S. so I think you'd be hard pressed to like find a judge (laughs) or anyone or any lawmaker that's going to want to put regulations on speech online, it'd fall more onto corporations, I feel like, to figure out what their own guidelines are for what is tolerated and what isn't tolerated. Um, well, then, I guess next I want to move on to the complete opposite side of things. So we started in the UK and then we came to the US. Um, so now I want to talk about China because perhaps they are the most prolific, maybe, uh, most prolific example of the lack of privacy or, or the control that a government has 
over its citizens. Um, so I'm not sure how much you two know about this, but in China, there is no free speech. Um, if you are just an average citizen and you openly criticize either the government or policy or something like that, you can and will be uh, arrested, sent away uh, either to camps, uh, labor camps, or re-education, quote-unquote re-education centers. Um, and, you know, that's a, it's, there's a huge discussion of human rights violations in China. Obviously, I think the most recent one is the Uyghurs, but, but in, even in general, the citizens are all under constant surveillance and under threat, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So I guess the first question I have for you two is, how do you guys feel about the amount of control a government should have over an individual's speech or action? So we've already talked about how the U.S. doesn't regulate that, right? And Hope brought up a point that probably uh, lawmakers will never seek to regulate that because that's just one of the values we hold. But can, can it be a good thing for a government to have risk, complete restrictions over its people? I think that it can probably be good in some ways. But the first thing that comes to my mind is that it might just like instill more rebellion in this society because I feel like people might just get so like tired of the government controlling everything they say and do so they might want to even like act against the government even more even though there might be like grave consequences the first thing that comes to my mind is um shortly after world war ii when like the Geneva Convention was happening and they wanted to discuss like what the most basic human rights were, a lot of Eastern countries, um, like the Soviet Union, but also including like China, things like that, um, believe the most basic human rights were like the right to housing, the right to food, the right to water, like the basic necessities you need to live, which I mean, falls in line more with communism anyways. But then a lot of like Western countries, particularly the U.S., their first ideas of the most basic human rights were the freedom of speech, freedom of ex expression, which is, falls under freedom of speech, freedom of press and all of those sorts of things. And the kind of our First Amendment rights. And they were the things they really wanted included in um, the human rights. And this has kind of been an ongoing battle. And I mean, initial thoughts for me is that, you know, obviously, if people to live, you feel like the rights to live are the ones that are most important because obviously like, it's great if you have freedom of press, but if you're starving, what are you gonna do with it? Um, and part of the issue a lot of people have found is that if your rights are being abused and you don't have the freedom of press, how do you even talk about it? Like you can't let anyone know that you're starving if you don't have the freedom of press. And so it's kind of this like double-edged sword where it's like, what's most important? Um, and for some reason, <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of people believe that both can exist. I kind of lost where my point was and what question you asked. Are there any situations in which it is a positive for governments to restrict the speech and actions of its citizens? 
Oh yeah, so I went way off topic. Sorry. But anyways, I feel like you can't have the the two extremes of the system where you restrict all speech or the system where all speech is allowed because um because you can cite a lot of violence if all speech is allowed. But you can also incite a lot of violence if no speech is allowed. And so there kind of has to be this middle ground where people are allowed to speak their thoughts, but they can't, like, if they say certain things, there have to be repercussions for them, which I feel like is the better mentality to have, like, allow freedom of speech, but also allow to have repercussions for certain types of speech, particularly, like, hate speech, which a lot of times is, I feel like, protected by the U.S., and that's why it falls a lot of times on other people and corporations to, like, scold those who go against that. Like, if you say racist remarks online, you're not going to get arrested, but you might get fired from your job. And I feel like that's the system that we kind of operate on in the U.S., where it's really hard to limit speech because of our laws. But I feel like almost in the end, that might be better because people regulate those sorts of things. But that obviously has to come with a culture of regulation since it's not like legal regulation. I think you bring up a good point, but I guess my gripe would be that I don't think people regulate speech in the U.S. Um, I think it is just the companies, perhaps the people running the companies. So I guess you're not technically wrong. Um, But yeah, so in the U.S., the government does not have direct control of the media, right? Whereas in China, most, if not all of the media um, is state controlled. And so if you look at any of the news stations Um, If you look at any of the public programming, obviously, um, it's perhaps not as bad as North Korea. But if you're (laughs) if that's your comparison, then, you know, it's it's not doing great. So speaking on the rights that the government can restrict, China has this social credit system, uh, which has been compared to like that one episode of Black Mirror and uh, also Big Brother from 1984 where using their extensive networks of cameras um, known as Skynet, they will track and record the actions of all of their citizens. Um, So that's a lot of people, first off. But um, depending on what you do and what you say, you will be assigned a number of points, which is your, your social credit. And your actions will either cause this number to go up or down, um, sort of like your, your credit score. But Um, You can lose credit for doing things like playing loud music in public, eating in rapid transits, violating traffic rules such as jaywalking, making reservations at restaurants or hotels but not showing up, failing to correctly sort personal waste, fraudulently using other people's public transportation ID cards, and and even smoking violations. All of these actions will, lo- will negatively impact your social credit. And if your social credit is low enough, the government will, uh, has advised th- certain things like public transportation and flights out of the country to be cut off from you. Like you will not be able to access public transportation. You will not be able to make reservations in certain places and in certain cities, the the children with low with low uh, social credit will be banned 
from attending private and certain uh, schools or universities. So uh, it's pretty pretty dystopian over there. Um, but I, I, this definitely seems like an extreme. And I was just wondering what you guys think, I guess, the solution is to this. Um, this seems to be a blatant human rights violation from our perspective, but perhaps we're a bit spoiled living in the U.S. How do you guys think people within China can or should react to this system? And by the way, this system is already like nearly fully in place and it's still being constantly updated. But um, the article I'm citing from is from 2019. So these systems have been uh, established for a while now. So, um, yeah, what do you guys think the citizens in China can or should do about this, <laughs> if anything? It's kind of scary. I would not like to live like that. That's just my initial thought. I mean, there's not much they really can do. It's not like they have any control over their government. Like, as much as our democracy is flawed, at least we do have some sort of input. So I don't, yeah, there's not to kind of just be like, there's nothing they can do, but there's pretty much nothing they can do other follow along and get positive scores or don't and get the bad one. Um, the only way I could see like any sort of like reform coming to this is if there's like a, like a movement towards like everyone jaywalks or a movement towards like everyone does like one of the stupid little things they have on it so that they can't take like that specific thing seriously but I feel like there's enough people who are really loyal to the, the communist party in China that like you would never get support from. yeah and the population is so big there that it would be so hard to get everybody on board so what you're suggesting is sort of a, a civil rights movement well yeah that's that's pretty much it. but um I I mean they've had a revolution before so it wouldn't be the first time but yeah it's definitely not um uh, not an easy task just because of how highly regulated everything is and how tight the control of the Communist Party is over everything. Um, to give you guys a little scare, also, if this podcast ever gets popular enough and, and that China hears about it, we, we could all be banned or, or, or taken in. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. But on the, on the positive hand, speaking to increasing your, your social credit positively, uh, you can do community service, uh, donate blood, donate to charity, or praise government efforts on social media, and that'll that'll increase your your social score, your social credit. Wow. <laughs> um. So I, I'm bringing this up because this is obviously the extreme of the other side, where uh, you basically have zero privacy, right, compared to uh, the U.S. Well, I mean, recently the U.S. has said um, that they'll not. Well, in the U.S., Apple has said they'll be going through users' phones and looking at their photos to search for child porn in collaboration with the government. So, Apple, which used to not let, which used to not let the government even hack into a terrorist cell phone, is now going through everyone's photos, which like is a morally gray issue because child porn is horrific. And so, like, I support the efforts to find people with it, but it means that, like, Apple is starting to share our data with U.S. government. I don't know if you guys heard about that or not. (laughs) 
Oh, this is just so scary. Um, I think it's kind of an invasion of privacy. But then again, like, like people shouldn't be doing those things. So it goes back to the whole point where, like, it is on them. Um, like earlier, Dylan, when we were talking about how people were hiding behind fake profiles um, just to comment things, and then they were getting in trouble for that, like, they shouldn't be saying those things in the first place. So it is an invasion of privacy, but then again, they're doing bad things. It just goes to show that nothing's private online. Like, I feel like the right to privacy as it stands, as our freedom to privacy or whatever, is just going to remain outside of the online sphere because it's just impossible because everything's public online, even if it's not. Yeah, this uh, topic perfectly segues into what I wanted to discuss next, actually. Um, I was going to say that uh, not everything in the U.S. is as nice as we would like it to be. And um, leading off of what you just said, Hope, I personally feel that our right to privacy is a complete illusion um, and a complete fabrication, not to burst any bubbles um, for you, Lauren. But uh, yeah, there's no privacy on the Internet, even if even with all of the security systems in place, um, you know, there's always people out there like hackers who can get to your personal information if you're important enough, if you just happen to be the unlucky target. But I guess on a bigger scale, I wanted to speak on some headlines, which there's one recently and then there's one from uh, two years ago. So perhaps the more famous one, more famous one from two years ago is uh, it was in August 2019. The huge Facebook information leak breach where um, here are the numbers. The leaked data includes personal information from 533 million Facebook users in 106 countries around the world. So, um, you know, I have never believed that my information has been safe on the internet personally, but I know a lot of people did believe that. And actually, um, this might, this might make me seem to be a bit, odd i guess but when when this when i heard about this data breach and just the shock and outrage behind it i was i was confused honestly i was confused cuz i didn't understand why people were unaware that this could happen um and that's just like that just sounds callous and and i it's 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 really bad you know that people's privacy is being and their personal information is being exposed like this. But I guess perhaps maybe it's just the generation I grew up in. But I, I am I'm aware, I'm fully aware of these risks and what is at stake. And our personal information is not personal anymore. It's it's just been formed into data. And that data is sold by all of the corporations, all of the companies that own our social media. And so it is not, it wasn't surprising to me that when these leaks happened, why it wasn't surprising to me that these leaks did happen, um, unlike other people. So I guess, what do you two think? Um, were you guys aware of like the risks and the potential for this to happen? Like when, when you guys, uh, whenever you are online or are you more shocked that, that this is such a huge issue? I've definitely been aware 
since a very young age because I think all three of us grew up with electronics from a young age but since I was really young my parents always instilled in me that I have to keep my information private so whenever I was signing up for an email or an account they would always have me use a fake email I mean not a fake email fake birthday and a abbreviated last name because they never wanted me to have my information on the internet and they would always just preach that to me and make sure it was ingrained in my head and then growing up like I always knew that anything I put on the internet even if my account is private is not going to be private because it can get out in many ways and also if you delete things they're never actually deleted and they're exist somewhere on the internet um so I have just always been aware of that yeah I was going to say every year at school, we had some speaker come in who would be like, everything online is public and permanent. And he'd repeat it like 20 times throughout his like hour long assembly. And it'd be like public and permanent. You guys got to remember everything's public and permanent. Like anything online is going to stay there forever. Yeah, I was going to say, Lauren, you um, you had a, a great set of rules uh, that your parents provided you. Um, I feel like more people should know about those rules. But I think Perhaps our generation and those surround the surrounding generations do know about that. Um, maybe like every generation after millennials, right? Um, I think it's something we are growing up with, and we're learning that you know this this is just how it is that your personal information is not safe on the internet, um, and it's unfortunate that you know older generations don't have that um, ingrained into them when growing up, you know. Like they've been alive before uh, this this all came about, before this technology was even popular, and unfortunately, they're also the, the most likely targeted by these leaks. So I wanted to uh, mention the the more recent data breach. It was from T-Mobile, and it this breach is uh, does not just affect their customers; it affects like former customers and also like related uh, related accounts um, and information. So it's compared to the Facebook one, it's on a smaller scale, but it's perhaps more compromising because it includes information such as names, addresses, dates of birth, phone numbers, social security numbers, and driver's license information. So like that's enough to, to have your identity completely stolen. Right. Um, if the villains on the Internet care enough to do so, which probably is happening. Um, and this affected five point three million customers had their specific information stolen. And then over 53 million customers have been affected by this attack. So um, that was just a secondary example of data breaches. But I want to end on one last question about companies selling your data for money there's um it's been a small discussion i think relatively speaking but there's this discussion about putting in place laws and regulations in which all individuals own their personal information and if companies want to use it or have access to it they need to pay the individuals because that's just, that's the new currency of the internet. It's information, right? 
these giants, corporations, uh, these social media corporations are selling it actively to other companies to try and better sell you products, to advertise directly to you. Um, and they're making huge profits off of you and your personal info. What do you guys think about that? Um, do you feel like, I mean, obviously it'd be nice to get some money for your own information, right? But um, if this system were in place, would you sell your information to companies? Uh, and uh, do you feel like, you know, it, it would change how things are and how we have, uh, how we act with the internet? I definitely wouldn't sell my information. Like I told you in the beginning, I already don't like people just knowing what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Like I try to keep my life pretty private on social media. So there's definitely no way that I'm giving my information to strangers. I don't think it could ever happen <laughs> um, because it, like it's already too late. Um, I feel like there's already so much information out there and the systems are already in place where your information's just shared kind of automatically everything like in so many places like even Amazon like we think of um uh how they sell like all these items and you get two-day shipping but what they mostly are more than anything is they collect information and then sell it and like operate they operate like all different servers across the internet. Like even you'd be hard pressed to go anywhere on the internet that isn't somehow linked to Amazon. And it's because everything at this point is connected and all the information shared so quickly that it'd be like impossible to stop it. And even if they like paid us, they'd be paying us like retrospectively. Like they've already taken the information. But it's about the future generations hope. <laughs> children our children rip <laughs> well uh yeah that's uh that's what i wanted to end on um hope what do you think this discussion was about um online culture i don't know because the kind the discussion kind of went all over the place so all right that's a good guess um I was concerned it would be more obvious when you first came in, but you weren't really paying attention. So that, that worked out. <laughs> uh, my question was, should the internet be anonymous? And then my like sub question was, should the internet be more private or less private? We started out um, talking about the, the article that happened in the UK where they, they, they've been arresting people who made racist comments towards the, the football players on the, the team. Oh, they've been arresting people. Yeah, they've arrested 11 people and they're still looking into other people. Although that was that was earlier this month. So I don't know. I, I didn't see any updates, but like that's the that's what I got from the article. Yeah, everywhere in Europe, the U.S. is probably the most lax out of anywhere. Because there was even like a really famous case. I think it was in like the 70s that went all the way to the Supreme Court and it was like a Nazi group. And someone was suing them for what they were saying. And the Supreme Court held up that they were okay. Um, You're still cutting out. But yes, sorry. The, the Supreme Court has ruled multiple times uh, to protect hate speech. Yeah, which is so fucked up. Like, that's the one thing, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you can't shout fire in a 
<laughs> in a fucking movie theater, but you you can go say you want to go kill people. I don't know what's the difference there. <laughs> All right, well, um, that was this episode of coming in without context. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for being here. We have one more after this, so don't leave. Uh, <laughs> but uh all right see you next <laughs> week <laughs> bye <laughs>